Welcome to another episode of the Life Group Leader Podcast. I'm so glad to join you, Life Group Leaders, as we jump back into the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. As always, here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, we're in the same section of the book of Matthew, but with a new series simply called Sermon on the Mount, The Counter-Cultural Kingdom. And this week's sermon is on fasting. And we see that text in chapter 6, starting in verse 16 of Matthew, which reads this. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may be not seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The sermon focus, the preaching point from this week is this, that we must ensure that our personal sacrifices to God are never exploited for the purpose of gaining others' praise and attention. And this preaching point found itself uh, fleshed out in three points. Point number one, we need to deny our tendency for self-focused worship. Secondly, we need to present ourselves ordinarily when it comes to our personal spiritual disciplines, particularly those uh, ones that uh, require a degree of self-denial that can make it easy for people uh, to show themselves in extraordinary situations and make themselves look extraordinary or out of the ordinary when it comes to the way that they look, the way that they act because of their quote-unquote commitment to their spiritual discipline uh, at the time they are exercising it. And then thirdly, it's important that we keep our original audience in mind. We have an audience of one. It's important that we keep him in mind as we live our life, as we exercise our spiritual disciplines, or we are always going to fall into the temptation Uh, to make worship about us, to make the disciplines about us. And so it's important as we think back on that as life group leaders, is how are we, as we've applied this word to ourselves, how are we then going to, as we are living out and applying this word, then help our life groups understand uh, the importance of uh, God-centered disciplines when it comes to spiritual disciplines, and how important it is for them to exercise that pub uh, in our church family in a way that honors the Lord and is good for the church family. And so as we take these uh, one at a time, number one, deny your tendency for self-focused worship. Uh, in the sermon, we saw uh, examples of self-focused worship, even as we talked about the different degrees to which we, when we, uh, even with one degree, make worship about ourselves, we are indeed committing idolatry. And then we wonder uh, why we don't find a significance often. And sometimes we, uh, quote unquote, as people often say, get burnt out in doing ministry and burnt out in doing uh, and serving uh, the church and serving others. Well, it's easy to get burnt out when we have such a, a meager idol as ourselves. And so if we really want to be productive and, and work diligently and serve well sacrificially uh, and, and live the kind of fruitful life God wants us to, that we have to make sure that we deny 
any tendency for self-focused worship because when we don't, that's when we're most likely uh, to deal with burnout, uh, to deal with uh, hitting, rock, hitting rock bottom, even when it looks like we're doing all the right things. And I think that's a good note for you life group leaders to maybe jot that down and kind of help people come to a, a great understanding of uh, self-focused worship often leads to burnout. And I think it'd be a worthy of you bringing up in your life group. I talked a little bit already about point number two about presenting yourself ordinarily. I think this is really, really going to be fun to listen to our life groups apply this one uh, because we are so keen on when we have had a a long, hard week, uh, when we are doing what God wants us to do, working hard, taking care of our homes in a diligent way, uh, that we often, when we show up to things like life group or dinner over at another family's home, Uh, that we want to, in some way, whether it be at a small degree or a large degree, we want to present ourselves extraordinarily or um, in in a way that's obvious about what we have just gone through, the week that we've had, you know, the work that we've had on our shoulders, Uh, not uh, just to be open and honest about where you are, but so that other people would look at you uh, in a way that would make you feel uh, that you are vindicated or that you are, uh, uh, I might say, uh, getting the attention that belongs to God and, and pointing it towards yourself. And, and we've all been guilty of this. You know, you're really tired and you got ministry on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night or, you know, you got to go home uh, and you, you, you need to minister to your family, whether that's your husband or your, or your wife, uh, to your kids. And you drudge in there, and uh, instead of doing what Jesus says and uh, putting oil on your head, anointing your, your head with oil or washing your hands, you go in there and you just want them to see, hey, look what I've been through today, so that I can, uh, in, in some way, kind of get off the hook for, uh, often for uh, living the way that God wants me to. Instead of being God-focused, I become self-focused, and I want other people to, to focus on me as well. So we got to make sure that we do our best to present our, ourselves ordinarily. And this is very easy when we keep our original audience in mind as, as we think about as life group leaders, how we can help our life groups make sure that in everything that they do and every spiritual discipline and every commitment they make into the Lord or to others, that they keep their original audience in mind. Just think for a minute, even as you're going to work, whatever your uh, whatever your uh, your work is, think about your job when you have one audience in mind. As you recognize that although you have an earthly boss, that you have a heavenly boss who is your real master. And what would life look like? What would your commitment look like to your job when you look at God as the boss you are to please? As we keep our original audience in mind, most of these things are going to take care of themselves. It's often... When we lose sight of God being our audience and we look at other people as our audience, as look at other people as an opportunity to exploit what you are doing, to garner attention, that we, we fall into the temptation to sin and uh, making things focused on ourselves. And I want to encourage you as you're leading your life group to help them practically, concretely uh, find application for how they can even as we look at our application questions, make sure that they remember their audience. Uh, And that's really even question number 4A is what can you adjust in your life to improve your focus on God as your audience of one? I want to encourage you guys as you delve into this question that you 
uh, ask and uh, encourage your group to give concrete examples. What are some things that you can adjust in your life? What needs to change in your life for you to take your focus off of all of those that are around you uh, and focus it on God and how he sees what you're doing and how he knows what you're doing and uh, what we need to do in our life to make sure that's the the, the modus operandi, right, uh, of our MO as Christians. There are a couple of questions that, uh, as Pastor Evan is writing these things down, uh, that maybe we should go over, I think would be helpful for you. Uh, point number two, I think is a really good question he has on here. How do I help someone else see that they are being ostentatious, which is a, which is a good word. We don't use this word a lot, but it's actually the perfect word in, in English to describe the way that the Pharisees are acting ostentatiously. They're, they're being loud, they're being uh, boisterous, bombastic, they're trying to grab the attention of others. Uh, and, and really, yeah, I mean, this is, how would I help someone else see that? That's important. First, we need to make sure we have the log out of our own eye. We gotta make sure if to what degree we've been doing this and repent of that and recognize that. But I also believe this is why life groups are so important. And this is why your job as a life group leader is so important, because your life group is the place where we often uh, encourage, exhort, and hold one another accountable. And so often when you go through these questions, that's what these questions are meant to do. They're meant to uh, weed out of our hearts uh, sin that has been rooted into our lives and, and to be able to root it out and pull it out of our lives. And so hopefully, in part, if you're going over these questions diligently as a life group leader with your life group, a lot of this is going to um, be taken care of naturally through the process of uh, our life group discipleship. But often it's important to be able, even in one-on-one discipleship, to pull people aside and be able to exhort them uh, in a way that says, hey, uh, you know, we notice, I notice uh, number one, I, I love you. I care about you greatly. And I notice that you are often boisterous about you being here. And uh, it's almost as if we're privileged to be in your presence when you show up. And what we want to do is make sure uh, that as everyone walks into this uh, community that we have in our life group, that we recognize that uh, this is about God primarily, not about us. And I, and I pray that you do that in a loving way. I pray that you do that in a restorative, redemptive way. But I also pray that you would do that in an honoring way that is honest and straightforward. Let's see. What, what other questions do we have on here that I could, that could be really helpful for you guys? Yeah, I actually had a few questions. I'll go over uh, particularly in the Equip podcast as I answer questions that people had emailed to us. But one that I got over and over again that I thought would be really helpful uh, is uh, we talk about fasting being a secondary discipline. You know, there are primary spiritual disciplines, uh, and I would category fasting as a secondary spiritual discipline. And what I mean by secondary spiritual discipline uh, is it's not one of the disciplines that we exercise regularly, that both in its level of importance and its frequency of importance, it is lower on the list. Not that it isn't a wonderful thing and a great exercise. In a spiritual discipline, it helps us grow in our faith uh, it is one of those, and even if you look at the commitment of the Pharisees, they fast twice a week. Now, how many days a week did you think they prayed? How many uh, days a week do you think they read the Torah? How many days a week do you think they uh, gathered at the temple? I mean, you recognize uh, that when it comes to fasting, 
Uh, it is it is one of those secondary disciplines that uh, the way I could explain it practically is if I don't read the Bible on a regular basis, what can I confess to being in sin? And the answer is yes, right? The God commands us to be in his word, to store uh, as a matter of fact, Psalm 119 says, I store your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And so the lack of storing God's word up in my heart uh, is the proof that I'm going to live a life of sin. Now, I can't say the same thing about fasting. Now, I, I could even liken, liken fasting to things like journaling. Yeah. Is journaling, Bible journaling, and journaling your thoughts out on Scripture as you are doing your devotional, is that a spiritual discipline? Well, of course it's a spiritual discipline. Uh, but if you never journaled, would you be in? Would you inherently be sinning? Well, the answer again would be no. Although it's a helpful and, and good, and there will be times in your life where you need you will need to journal, and there will be times in your life where you should fast. Uh, but that's how I can be able to define that as a secondary spiritual discipline, uh, because it's it's unlike in so many ways, uh, prayer uh, and Bible reading. Uh, although something that's very common in the New Testament, that's why Jesus brings it up, because it was something happening enough to where people were being misled uh, by the ostentatious presentation of fasting publicly uh, in the time that he was doing his ministry there uh, in Israel. And so I hope that was helpful to at least give you some uh, grounds and some grasp on something that may come up in your life. I think it'd be helpful for you guys to talk about. And something I think maybe this may be a helpful little small life group training for you guys uh, is to be able to look at the Christian faith uh, with uh, an understanding of nuance and degrees. Uh, you know, there is so much, there's so much nuance in the Christian faith, right? I mean, would we say, is it a sin if you never fast? Well, that's a really good question. Right? We understand that if you, if you aren't fasting, it doesn't mean that you're in sin, but there is often times when you ought to fast, and depending on the convictions of your heart and the counsel and guidance of your church, uh, your, your, your shepherds who are over you, there, there is time. I mean, I can imagine there are people who have sinned because they did not fast, uh, but not fasting is not necessarily sin. I, I find that understanding uh, specification when you're talking about the Christian faith is so important. If not, uh, you're at risk of creating and drawing lines in the sand that ought not to be there. And on the other hand, uh, you're at risk of uh, making uh, the Bible uh, oversimplified uh, to where it's not as helpful as God means for it to be. So I hope that's maybe a little bit helpful for you life group leaders. I'm really praying for your life group this week as you are preparing to meet uh, but as we get into the announcements, reminder that our baptism service is October the 15th. I know that's at about a month and a half out, but we would love to see another full service of baptism. So I want to encourage you to you to be active as a life group leader in your life group of encouraging people to sign up for baptism and to be sharing the gospel. We had a, a man uh, get saved last weekend in the auditorium uh, who is now in one of our Tuesday night life groups with me. Uh, we have I've had two more gospel conversations recently, and I just want to encourage you, continue having gospel conversations. Share the gospel with people. People are in need of knowing the biblical gospel, and so many people are deceived into believing they're saved, and others need to be encouraged uh, that they are. And oftentimes that happens through them really asking the question, am I saved? Uh, we have our men's fellowship on September 9th from 9 a.m. to 11. We encourage all you men from sixth grade on to join us at our men's fellowship. 
Can't wait to get our men back together again to sharpen one another as Scripture teaches us to do as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. A reminder that our student parent night, September the 16th from 6 to 8 p.m., it's going to be a great opportunity for all the parents to get to know their leaders and uh, to uh, sit under uh, Pastor Evan as he shares the vision for students. I know he's been working really diligently on this. It's going to be a great opportunity. I want to encourage everyone uh, who's a part of the, the student ministry to make a point to be there uh, that evening. Uh, life group leaders, encourage your parents of teens to be there. You're going to have dinner. You're going to have time of fellowship, and it's going to be a wonderful opportunity to set a standard uh, of excellence for partnering with parents and our students for discipleship. And then finally, we want to remind you that we have a new tab on our website called Serving at Compass. It's an opportunity for people in our life groups who may have gone through Exploring Compass but have kind of fallen off and haven't been serving for a while. We want them to jump back on board. You know, our church is growing. It's been amazing uh, to even in a holiday like this uh, past Sunday, we average more people this Sunday than we had in the spring. And so it's important for us to make sure we get more people on board serving one another, encouraging one another. And so this, uh, this tab on our website is designed to get people back into the serving rotation. Uh, and so I want to encourage you, uh, if anyone in your group is not serving, have them go to compasshillcountry.org slash serve at compass so they can jump back in serving and building up the local church. We love you, life group leaders. Certainly, in, in my heart, you guys are uh, regular inhabitants of my prayers and my thoughts as you are laboring side by side with us, arm in arm, and we are grateful for what God's doing. Uh, I, I guess one last even update. You know, we hit a life group record of attendance this last week. Uh, without counting kids, we had over 300 people in life groups. And so, including kids, that brings us right around 400 people in discipleship ministry in the middle of the week. I just want to encourage you and say, wow, uh, that there is that many people not only showing up on a Sunday, but saying we uh, desire and we prioritize discipleship. Uh, and it's encouraging. Thought I'd give you guys that update as uh, we check out here of this week's episode of the Life Group Leader podcast.